Speaking podcast. This is Chris Shelton, your host. Thank you very much for inviting me into your home again this week. Happy to be here. And you can see I am joined this week um, by I, what I think might be a pretty interesting guest. This is Barry Purcell. He is an Irish writer and he has um, uh, articles uh, published on Only Sky. And Barry, welcome to the show. What other platforms do you use to post your work? Uh, hello, Chris. Hello, everybody. Uh, I am currently talking to you from Ireland. Uh, I have uh, written for Arc Digital as well, and the Irish Times, and Private Eye, and various other publications like Ario Magazine, etc., etc. Perfect. It's very much the being a freelance uh, writer is very much like being unemployed. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Um, well, I thought we might have take a shot at having a conversation on my podcast this week because you and I met on somebody else's show, uh, Chesh. We did. And we met Chesh, on Chesh's show, yes. That's right. And she is um, she is a fun creator. I, I enjoy uh, making she's appearances. Chesh is great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, she is a lot of fun. Um, and we end up talking about all kinds of, of stuff that I don't get to talk about on this podcast. Or, sure. You know, don't put do, it out Do you there. remember that podcast you do? Oh, I remember having done a couple, oh, and I'm not, and, and I'm, and I've done a few, and so it gets jumbled in my head as to which one was which with who. Yeah, I didn't know who was going to be on the podcast. I just turned up on the day, and it was Chris Shelton. Oh, yeah, cool, <laughs> and uh, Dave Rowlands, right? So basically, the intro was like this, and here's this guy. He's got a master's, and he's got a doctorate, and here's this guy, and he's got a master's, and he's got a doctorate, and here's this guy. This is Barry, and he's Barry. Okay, cool. Let's move on. I was like, I was so intimidated. I was like, what possible value can I add to this thing? You know. Nah. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought it was fun and I thought it was oh, so yes. fun and we and I have been interacting and so I thought, well, let's just do a show and see what we can talk about and having read sure. some of your work and it's quite interesting and kind of fun and it's sort of short format content that people can consume and it mostly centers yeah. around uh, current cultural topics and atheist topics. And so I think it's safe to say you and I share a religious belief of no religious belief. Correct. I am 100% atheist, and I'm not afraid of that word. Good. Exactly. Me neither. Although, I, um, if people start getting particular with me, I will specify, well, it's more on the agnostic side for me than the atheist side in that I don't assert knowledge. I simply say it's not knowable. Well, I would say that uh, in a longer and less a uh, good way of saying it would be that I do not have access to the information I would need to tell you that there is no God. I have no access to that information. I just don't believe that it exists. Exactly. That's exactly how I kind of take it and feel about it, which is why I'm completely comfortable with the atheist label oh, yes. as well, you know. I understand why some people don't like it, though, as well. I get why people get itchy around it, but I am not. Oh, yeah. Oh, in America, it is, it's way low on the, um, I guess you could say, the popularity scale. It's, in uh, America? <laughs> might I introduce you to any country in the Middle East? <laughs> yes. Well, I wonder, that was actually something I wanted to ask you about, is because, you know, Ireland has got, has got such a rough history with the whole Catholic Protestant thing, and I do not pretend to understand, you know, the troubles or the conflicts, yeah. you know, that that go on that have gone on over there. I know there has been religious conflict. I know there's been political mm. conflict, and so I guess I wanted to ask, you know, as an atheist over there, is that 
is it acceptable at all or do 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 does everybody look at you askance well where i am is uh, the republic of ireland and in the republic of ireland atheism is kind of seen as in, very similar to veganism it's fine but just don't talk about it or people <laughs> will be like oh god this shit again you know right. like, yeah fine i'm an atheist yeah nobody cares barry nobody cares like that which is great that's what you want right you want That's that right. in Ireland. Uh, historically, <laughs> though, I would say that the religious uh, strife you're talking about these days and maybe maybe always, I don't know, when you say like Protestants and Catholics, it's really more of a cultural identifier than a religious difficulty. Like Protestants and Catholics fighting in Northern Ireland, they're not fighting over whether or not transubstantiation is real. Right. You know, they're fighting right. over political issues. They're fighting over oppression and rights. Okay. And the fact that one community is identifiable as Protestants and the other community is identifiable as Catholics is really more of a cultural marker than anything else. Like in the, you'd hear stories from before the the IRA bombing campaign really took off about um, the unionists would run the province, which means they'd control the infrastructure. And they would say like on your CV, your resume, you'd say what school you went to. And based on the school you went to, if it was written down what school you went to, then your employer would know whether you were a Protestant or a Catholic. Mm. And they would just, if they were a Catholic, they just wouldn't hire you. Wow. Okay. Mm. Right, right, right. And then they banned that practice. And then they cooked up other ways of figuring out whether you're a Protestant or a Catholic. Yeah. So, but it's a cultural identifier. But they weren't saying, oh, no, this person, you know, they they um, they listened to the Pope's instructions. I cannot hire them. It was really, they're from this community and I cannot hire them. Interesting. And um, it, while this is not the main topic of the show, since I've got you on here and I'm... And, <laughs> no, and, edit all this out. It'll be fine. Yeah, this is of interest to me. <laughs> Um, what's your understanding? I mean, having been there for, you know, a number of decades, having been, you know, grown up there, yes. what, what's the basis of the, of the hatred or the, the animosity between these cultural groups? Well, I am a culturally Catholic. Mm-hmm. I'm an atheist, but a culturally Catholic. So if I went to Northern Ireland, they would just basically consider me a Catholic. Mm. And okay. they would be, in that context, they would be 100% correct to do so. Mm-hmm. So what happened was in Northern Ireland, good Lord, this is going to be extraordinarily biased, all right? But we're going to do it. Okay, because you asked. So here we I go. asked. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> the English colonized my entire country. Mm-hmm. And there was various revolutions and so on. And eventually in 1921, we had a war of independence and it took off. And the English said, okay, let's negotiate a settlement. And we sent over some guys to negotiate the settlement. And as part of this settlement, uh, the English government insisted on hanging on to the top, top, northern six counties, right? The top six counties of my, my country. So those six counties are Northern Ireland, which is a separate country from Ireland. And they're technically still in the UK. Wow. Now, they, they are major- they, at the time, they were majority unionist. And now it looks like the nationalists are kind of outreading them, if I can use that phrase. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So they, um, there was always trouble up there because of that. The loyalists were loyal to the crown. Unionists were pro-union and they were all Protestants. And the Catholics would be Republicans. They're pro-Republic and they would be nationalists, meaning they want a nation once again. And they would be tend to be Catholics. This is all confusing, but they're all kind of, there are three words that are almost interchangeable for the same community are Catholics, Republicans, and nationalists. And then on the other side, you have unionists, uh, loyalists, and Protestants. And those three words are also interchangeable for roughly the same community. Okay even though they mean three completely different things. They're still the same people, right? Right, right. So that's kind of... Then the loyalists just 
they hate they hate Catholics. I know it's just it's a sad thing to have to say, but the more you talk to them, they have kind of almost revulsion for Catholics, and they don't like them at all. And they're terrified of United Ireland because they see us all as culturally Catholic, which we still are, you know. And they think that they're going that we will treat them the way they've been treating the Catholics in Northern Ireland. Mm, okay. Whereas in reality, there's lots of in in, in Republic of Ireland where I live, there's plenty of Protestants around, and no one cares. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing you saying that because just last night I was watching um, I, something I was really just stumbled on, which was a Trevor Noah documentary okay. uh, uh, from South Africa when yes. he was in South Africa. He is a crime. At, well, he was. He literally represents a, a crime. Just he existing, is a crime, yeah. Right? But he talked about, you know, when the fall of apartheid happened and yes. and how the whites reacted and how the black... And that was what his comedy was. In the first couple yes. of years he was doing comedy, that's what it was about. And, mm. and it was very interesting how the documentary probed into that issue with white comedians who had been in South... Who were in South Africa. Yes. And black and the rise of black comedians who were coming mm. up in that and how how comedy itself was a whole thing that was coming up. Fascinating, yes. fascinating show. I thought mm. it was going to be a stand up show. And it was an hour about Trevor Noah and his yes. rise. Right. But the reason I thought of it is because of the exact thing you just said. Where, you know, one of the big jokes was when apartheid passed, all the whites were like, we're moving to Australia. We're yeah. getting the hell out of here, right? We are gone. Terrified, and, yeah. You know, they were terrified. And what were they terrified mm. of? Well, of course, they were terrified they were going to be treated yes. the same way that they, you know, that they had treated the blacks. And that mm. didn't actually happen. And then they stayed. And then, any, anyway, there's a whole series Ironically, of Ironically, it did happen in Zimbabwe. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying there wasn't any violence. Mm. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to. In Zimbabwe, the white people were attacked on their farms. Yeah. 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 They've been there for generations, but they were still regarded as as Britishers or whatever. That's what the Indians call them Britishers coming into my place telling me what to do, you know? Right. They were attacked on the farms. And because we're Irish, we're kind of like, nah, fuck them. Oh, sorry. (laughs) We're like, no, to hell with them. (laughs) To hell with them. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's, it's just kind of funny how, and it kind of speaks to where I wanted to go today, which is. Okay. People are people. Yes. Right? And groups are groups. And groups are fucking fascinating (laughs) in how they act the same despite culture, despite language, despite geography, despite even time and history almost. You know? You get can't beat your own brain, human psychology. Exactly. And this is and you know what, what I like. What I like about our discussion on Chesh the last time was that we were talking about how in groups work and critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And Dave said the same thing that when you are aware of all the way people think and how your brain works, it doesn't put you above it. That's right. It still happens to me. Yep. And what's terrible is I can actually feel it happening to me. I can feel it happening to me. Saying this is an in-group uh, thought I'm having now. I'm better than this. But I'm not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it, just wh- being aware of it helps, though, you know. That's right. Because, because we, can't, we can't hide or escape from our ego. I'm doing the best I can, but yeah. But, but really, you know, what, what we can do is we can temper it. We can manage it. We can 
be acknowledging of it. I, I guess mindful of it, if they, if you want to use yeah. that word. I, I don't really like that word much, but you know, we can be aware of this stuff and we can do our very best. And if there's anything that critical thinking and emotional intelligence, which I kind of lump together, yes. um, if there's anything that that gives us, it is a leg up on at least acknowledging we're kind of screwed, but let's see what we can do anyway. And that's, I think, I think a better place to be than I think I'm perfect and wonderful and I have, you know, whatever, God, Trump, uh, apartheid, you know, the Catholics, yes. whatever on my side, and therefore I'm flawless and perfect, and it's everybody else who has a problem. I go more, I go more than that. I go stronger than that again. I'd say if you're an alcoholic and you go and you realize you're an alcoholic, that does very little to stop you from drinking. Mm-hmm. That, but you're good. You're on the start. That is the start of a long and not good road. Yeah. Is I am an alcoholic. And I think it's like that with critical thinking. You realize I have a human brain. That's right. But That's it doesn't right. stop you from having these occasional racist thoughts or sexist thoughts or whatever. You know, it's just being aware of it is just a gift because then you can say, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is me being stupid. I get it now. <laughs> well, exactly. And if there's anything that critical thinking and, and social awareness maybe, you know, might give us, it's the ability to have maybe have all the thoughts, but then not necessarily have to act on them. Mm. And I think that matters. I think that yeah, matters a lot. You're not your lot. thoughts. You're not your thoughts. You're not your last bad idea. You are not your opinions. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, I was hoping for some conflict, Chris. This is very difficult. If we're going to agree on everything. It's not going to be an interesting podcast. Well, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there because what I wanted to <laughs> what I wanted to what I wanted to talk with you about, and I, and and I was dying to get somebody who actually could be critical of this community, and this is having to do with atheism. Okay, okay. and so so we have this community, this worldwide, right. you know, and it's really just about as together as the ex-cult world. I mean, it's like, it's hurting cats, you know, trying to get everybody on the Absolutely. same page. And yet we acknowledge that there is this unified idea that we can at least agree on. That, you know, hey, maybe religion goes a little too far and maybe, you know, there really isn't any reason to believe in this mm. higher power. And maybe that isn't the biggest there deal There are also religious people who will, yeah. who will um, graft themselves onto that movement. Yeah, exactly. And, and in fact, we have this sort of bridge group between these things called humanism. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. I'm, I, that's the only label I really like is humanist. Yeah, I don't have any problem with humanists. Yeah, I think it's a great label. But it gets a lot of, you know, bad rap from uh, in, on the side of religion because of those secular humanists. That was a, mm. that was a, 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 a label to tar and feather people with uh, in the 70s and 80s. And, oh, they're the worst, aren't they? Secular uh, humanists. The secular humanists, right? Now it's atheists, right? Oh, you atheists, yeah. right? And now, of course, in literary or academic circles, it's apostates. Oh, you apostates. Oh, oh all of you scumbag apostates, right? Mm -hmm. With your axes to grind. But I wanted to, to do this show. While we definitely agree on those things, and I have a lot of common ground with a lot of other YouTubers and, and activist-type people in the atheist world on those points. But where I find I run into trouble or disagreements is on how it is presented, how it's talked about, and how they will go out of their way to get into rather nasty arguments with theists, with believers. Organized religious organizations, you mean? 
Yeah, and yes. I mean, organized atheist organizations, I mean. Well, organizations and individuals, I've seen both. Okay. And the organizations um, have been not really the best at this. And, I, and I've seen American atheists take a dive because some person, um, you know, whose uh, initials are D and S, um, uh, you know, David Silverman, yeah, yeah, that guy <laughs> kind okay. of, you know, goes off the deep end and turns out to, you know, have a history of uh, some, you know, not so great uh, sexual well, activity. David, David Silverman was fired from American Atheists because of multiple credible allegations of sexual assault going back over many years, yeah. which he more or less admitted to. That's right. That's right. And he and, said he got therapy for many years. He said he was he was he was treating women inappropriately or whatever for many years and he got therapy first. So I can say that there are multiple credible allegations because he's more or less admitted to it. Correct. And that and that tanked American atheists as an organization because mm. he was the president of that. And he yes. was somebody who was loud. He was out there. He was he was a self-proclaimed firebrand atheist yes i remember yeah the firebrand right yeah. yeah and i actually had him on my show years ago before all this crap came to light right that podcast is still out there and mm. i even then was a little bit like wow man is there any common ground that can be found and it was like no there is not you know did you which, find him abrasive i did and i okay. thought and i thought this is not somebody who represents how i think about atheism Sure. And over the years, my attitude has only become more empathetic and compassionate toward believers as my cult recovery has run its course. And I am no longer as angry about my cult experience as I used to be. Yeah, well so, done. You know, well, I, I think so. I'd say it's, it's yeah. good for me. And I try to come from a place of, you know, empathy, compassion, tolerance and understanding. I think these are oh, far Chris. more powerful forces in our world than hate and and uh ridicule you know but it's a process chris well yeah it is it all because i used to be i used to be that guy on twitter saying oh you're christians oh you're idiots how can you do this how can you do that right. how many jesus does it take you know this kind of thing oh here's a picture of muhammad you like this do you you know this kind of thing like i was right. such a that's not that's not helping anybody and i i fully agree with you i think it's time to come at the, not just atheism but i try to do this in every part of my life and people who've been on the receiving end of me being nasty are going to find this extraordinarily pretentious or self-serving but i am trying to be a better person i'm trying to be more compassionate and kind right yes right. i am really that's not just you know right and i hope right. to be better and better every year i'm not i haven't stopped you know i'm not i'm not I, we're all in the middle of a process well, we are. And let me ask you in terms of your process, because I actually have no idea, were you raised in religion? I was raised 100% Catholic. You Okay. Both so my parents were very Roman Catholic, went to Mass every Sunday, believed all the believed all the tenets of that religion see i didn't mm -hmm. say bullshit all the tenets <laughs> of that religion and uh what i i was i used to read the lesson in the church on sundays i used to go up to the altar and say uh, this is the reading from the gospel of mark or whatever and i believed it I, I it was fine with me and then i just i didn't there was no snap it was just a gradual this doesn't make any sense ah okay so there was no profound mm. i saw no the light or no i did not see any light still haven't seen any light <laughs> right. but it doesn't make any sense and i had questions that no one was able to answer when they did answer them the answers were unsatisfactory and kind of patronizing yes that's been my like, problem with it yeah and my parents said look barry just go to mass until you're 16 and when you're 16 years old you can decide to do whatever you want 
So I went to mass until I was 16. And then I didn't go to mass anymore because my parents honored their agreement. And then they didn't go to mass anymore either. Really? Really, yeah. And I don't know what influence I had over them, but they, they, my mother never, she didn't deconvert. She just realized the whole thing was essentially pointless. But I think my dad deconverted. Interesting. My, my dad said he was especially deconverted, not by anything I said or did, but by his mother had uh, a baby and his mother had to go to the church a few days after having the baby to be blessed by the priest or she would not be allowed to take communion. Huh. Because when you have a baby under Catholic, this is not like this anymore. Yeah. But years ago, you used to, it's called getting churched, the verb. And when you get churched is when a woman has a baby, she goes to a Catholic church and the priest says, yes, you are now ritually clean. You may come back into the church with this prayer because having a baby apparently violates your ritual cleanliness. There's something in a lot of organized religion where being a woman just on its own is a sin. Being yeah. a woman requires rituals to cleanse you of the womanness. Yes. And it's disgusting to yes. me. It's yeah. absolutely horrific. And even my dad, who was a small child at the time, said, Mama, please, he said he remembers this, Mama, please don't go to the church. Please don't go. You know, huh. because you, because you, you know, the, you, the feminists say things like, oh, all women are beautiful, right? Which is just, all women have value, right? That's what you're trying to get at. All women have value. Yes. And the idea of telling some women, oh, you've had a baby or you're, you bleed every month or something. This makes you bad. This makes you ritually impure. It's just a disgusting, horrible thing to say to another human being. Exactly. And, and we're totally on the same page on that. Chris, can we fight about something, please? We'll, we'll get there. Something we'll, we disagree. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. How do you feel about Neil Diamond? <laughs> oh, you, you, oh, you're scum. Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. Oh, you're the worst of the worst. Neil uh, Diamond uh, is a treasure, sir. A national treasure. Yeah. And you are the worst. I don't. I uh, Okay. <laughs> Sweet Caroline. Yeah, I got to turn on my heart light, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up with Neil Diamond. I remember the jazz singer. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, he got away with it, though. He got oh. away with blackface. Oh, barely. You know why he got away with it? Because he was playing another guy who was doing blackface. Well, so course. he wasn't doing blackface. He was doing Jolson face, and that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. <laughs> he would never get away with that now. Well, here is... Um, Here's where I'm getting back to my divergence from the, you know, from the atheist community, you could say. Because um, I, because here's the thing, I don't know that I necessarily wanted to have like big disagreements, but I did want to get another point of view on all of this, right? And literally yes. from somebody on the other side of the world, you're not even, you're not even an American atheist, right? Which to me Correct. is a bonus in this conversation. <laughs> so... You know, so so my 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 thesis here, my idea here, right, is like I think we can do better. I think we can do a lot better. And I think that one, there is a problem if you're in a group of any kind, and I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's your family, if it's your job, if it's a hobby, if it's a religion, if it's your politics. If you can't be critical of your own side, there is something wrong with you and your relationship with that group. You know. I agree with that. I think there comes a point in any organization, a size of an organization, and I don't know whether it's 100 members or there's a, comes a point when that organization very predictably starts taking decisions that are more in the interests of preserving the organization than they are in the original aims of the organization. And I think true. that happens to every single organization, whether it's the police yeah. department, whether it's the Catholic church and organizations you've been involved with. Absolutely. And in, in yeah. fact, having... Um... Uh, you know, I got a chance here in Denver with this group that I'm part of called the Secular Hub 
Um, this is a wonderful social group. Oh, they, I've heard about, yeah, you told about those. Yeah, that's they're yeah, very interesting. They have their own building. Uh, they literally mm. bought their own place. And uh, we meet there. We do community there. We do Boy Scout meetings there. There's, a, there's an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting there that is not mm. about God. Um, there is... Uh, wait, wait, a secular alcoholic anonymous meeting. Second, yeah. no, there's no first principle then. No. You don't have to admit a higher power. Nope. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Can we have more of that, please? Exactly. Right? We try to, we try to umbrella all of this under the roof of the secular hub and yeah. Freedom From Religion Foundation and American Atheist. I mean, all kinds of groups are part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the group I'm part of so much, and I believed in it so hard, and I still do, that I was on the board for two years. Oh, nice you know? one. Well done. Yeah, I thought, I thought, well, here's something I'll step up to. And it was the very Be first. Be change, Chris. Well, it was the very first and pretty much only group activity that I've, like, really embraced since leaving Scientology. So I, I do feel like I'm walking the walk and not just talking the talk. I am Absolutely. I'm trying to do the right things. And having been on that board and seeing how you can make right decisions and you can make, you know, some pretty wrong ones when it comes to exactly what you just said about group survival. We see the Catholic Church, we see Scientology, we see other major religions or groups who have sexual improprieties or felons in their midst, and they choose to cover it up, keep it quiet, no, 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 public image. And I think that's a horrible, horrible mistake, although I understand the human impulse of it. It's a horrible mistake for any group to make to... What is with the sexual harassment? Do you know what's going on there with all these guys? Like, it's about 2018, it started hitting crisis point. That's when um, Silverman got hobbled with these multiple accusations. Um, Lawrence Krauss got hobbled with yeah. a bunch of credible sexual assault allegations. That's right. What's happening? Like, I don't understand it. Krauss said in his defense that, oh, he put his hand on a woman's leg or something. But she don't, isn't that how you do it? Like, isn't that how we all do it? No. <laughs> Like, I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, no, man, that's not how we do what? it. <laughs> well, I don't understand it. Like, am I living in a different world where you just don't do that to women? Like, what's going on? Well, you know history. And uh, yes. And, and I think that there is a, I think what's happening to answer your question, my point of view on your question is that there is an increased awareness and following that awareness, a growing intolerance towards that kind of nonsense because there is an increase in respect towards women as women. But that's kind of weird. In 2018, like those are... I know. It's, it's why did it take so long? Thing. But, you know, me too. So just, and so many guys. Well, it, it's, see, I think that there might be the fact that the curtain's kind of coming off. It's it kind of in a way... Sort of like Spotlight. Remember that that movie, right? That yes. whole that whole expose, and suddenly we discovered we knew there were problems. Everybody kind of knew there were problems. Yes, but the magnitude of the problem was was like what? And yeah. then you find if you start diving into like the cultic world where I live with religious 
cults and the way they dogmatically abuse their children. Yeah, they're structured around harassment and abuse, I think. Yes, right? And you start seeing that this has been a problem all along. It's not that yes. they, that sexual harassment and sexual abuse and child abuse has not always been with us, but yes. our tolerance for it and our willingness to call it out and make it a public issue is now higher than ever before. So it appears suddenly there's this great big new problem. It ain't new at all we're just talking about it now well that's good then that's how i see it you know that's a good thing then it is a good thing i think it's a great mm -hmm. thing because it's the only way that change happens you know and that's you know in a lesser way that's what i'm kind of talking about with the atheist world is like if you want to make the change that you want to see right one model better behavior and two do the things that are actually going to work and i don't think what we're doing right now as a as a group is is making ourselves very well known or well thought of when we are statistically, you know, on surveys routinely coming up at the bottom of those most untrustworthy, most most mean and vicious to people, yes. you know, on social media is the atheists, you know? Mm. And I go, you know, I really think we could be doing better at this. And I wanted to, so I wanted to ask you, do you see that? And if so, what what's your take on it from your end of the pond? See it? I was it. <laughs> oh, there you go. I was mean ass, just horrible person. And I didn't realize it. I thought, it was, I'm right. Like, you know, like Sheldon Cooper, I'm right. You know, so I can be as mean as I want because I'm right. But then, like, that's not how the human brain works. I, I also had this idea that, you know, emotions like feelings and so on are just getting in the way of information. You know, right. that's not true at all. Right. Emotions are our information. It, yes. Exactly. And if someone if someone's hurting, if someone's hurt by things you said, you can't just sort of say, "Well, it's not my fault if you're hurt by facts." You know that's not helpful. How are you helping anybody by saying these things? And I thought I was like, I don't know. I just I think I fetishized intellectualism to a certain degree, and I just can't do that anymore. I think that that's exactly the problem. Um, yeah, I think mm. you literally hit the nail right on the head of where I wanted to go with this because I ran through the exact same curve. I went through Were you the same a dick, process. Chris? Oh my god. I okay, am, yes, good, but... good. <laughs> good. I don't feel so bad. I'm not the only dick on the podcast. Good, oh, good, God, good. no. I used to be, I mean, one, as a Scientologist, I was insufferable. And then two, after I got out, right? I mean, <laughs> Insufferable. Just, oh, I was the worst. I was such I a meant dick. I post-Scientology were you a dick. You don't, you don't get any, you don't get any, uh, obviously, as a Scientologist. I mean, post-Scientology were you a dick. Yeah, no. After, after that, for a number of years, I was. Okay. And uh, towards, I know towards people still in Scientology or no targeting. Actually, not towards Scientologists. I was oh, I was okay. in a place where I realized how how many lies had been stacked up and how deep that level of indoctrination goes. And once that once that was clear, which was pretty clear pretty fast, my feelings for regular everyday Scientologists were were care, compassion. We're like Jesus, ah, man. You know. For the for the spokespeople of Scientology, for the people who did the dirty tricks, who knowingly were crossing over illegal yeah. lines, no mercy, right? And I right. was and I was vicious about that, um, and I felt uh, very very angry toward the leadership, of course, right? Hubbard and Miscavige, because they know exactly what they're doing, and so there was a years and years of of real seething anger about that. 
you know that's yeah. what i mean by the recovery thing is that that's kind of gone now i'm not angry towards those people anymore oh well done <sighs> took a while yeah yeah because you see the bitterness doesn't hurt anybody except yourself you're stuck in this weird resentment bitterness thing and it just it makes it it affects everybody in your relationships and your life and you don't want to be that to people you want to be nice to people you know exactly and it was only after coming through that that i realized the same problem exists in the atheist world Every, it's everywhere, man. It's not just yeah, well, it's everywhere. Exactly. But, mm -hmm. but the way I could relate, and tell me what you think about this, is I thought, you know, an awful lot of the atheist world are former believers. Not, yes. every, not everybody by a long shot, but an awful lot. And they've got trauma. Yes. They were dogmatically beaten, assaulted, treated poorly, right? Uh, uh, you know, cut down at every moment. And anytime they they tried to express free thought, free will, or independent thinking, it was you know, here come the cult mechanisms to shut them down. So a lot of ex fundamentalists, you know, and ex cultists, really, in this world. But it's not necessarily acknowledged that way, and they don't necessarily go and get treatment or therapy or even think about themselves that way, but they're awfully hmm. angry people, ah. right? And they're carrying that trauma around, and untreated yeah. and unrecognized and unacknowledged even, that can be interpreted as this sort of righteous fury that they then direct toward believers, any they're believer, angry at themselves. Any believer anywhere, right? But exactly, they're angry at themselves. That's right. That's exactly. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly the right observation. I right? see that now. Yeah. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about the community a little bit. Is it's maybe there's more of a trauma community here than we might have thought. You know. Everybody's got some kind of trauma. Yeah, but some people have a lot more than others. They know? do. Yeah. Yeah. In Ireland, being a Catholic is not terribly traumatic it's kind of a background thing rolling the whole time right and if you want to jump out no one's going to stop you and no one's really going to care they're not going to treat you differently right but i imagine that's different in say houston if you want to stop being a southern baptist or in algeria if you want to stop being a muslim or i imagine those are like when you say community do you mean like the community in america the atheist community in america or the global community or i mean globally kind of thinking okay. globally although well, you, then, the united states certainly has a unique position in that sure. with their you know yes. freedom of speech what, do, what do we need from a global atheist community then what do we need them for what do we need them for well this will help like narrow in where we're going right and wrong is what aims do we have do we need a global atheist community what good would it serve or do we just are we fine with just a bunch of regional ones right I think that it would work best if it was more organized regionally because of the very different needs of very different countries. I mean, there are places in this world that you've written about at, in, in some detail about where it's just a straight up crime. You'll get killed. Yes. Right. I mean, they'll mm. kill you. If you there go are 13 countries that. that have the death sentence for what they call apostasy, but they mean atheism. Right. They, and they're all Islamic countries. And the thing about Islam is they're kind enough to divide all the atheists up into atheists like, say, uh, you and me, and people who've left Islam. Yes. So you and me would be regarded as pre-Islamic. Right. It's right. just a matter of time before Allah calls to us and we embrace Islam, right? That's right. So we're pre-Islamic, so they don't really, if we were wandering around Algeria, they'd be fine with us. But if somebody leaves Islam, then those people are regarded as traitors. Exactly. And they don't and, take kindly to that. Well, in the history of humans, we have reserved our most, most severe punishments for traitors. Right. 
So the Muslims aren't alone there either. But I think perhaps killing people in general is not good. (laughs) Well, that's exactly, exactly. That's exactly the point, right? Is Mm. is that, that's going, you know, a bridge too far. That's that's ridiculous, Mm. right? If you think that the Muslims have this kind, a lot of Muslims have this idea that they're all part of a a world Muslimry. Mm. And they have a word for it. Oh, the Ummah, I think it's called. The Ummah, isn't it? I think they call it the Ummah. The Ummah is like everybody who's a Muslim in the world. And they kind of see that as a country on its own. And if you want to leave that country, then it's like a treason. Right. You know, the logic isn't completely separate from the way we think about things either. It's just bizarre because it's put through this religious lens where Allah is in charge of everything and Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the last prophet, the seal of the prophets, Al-Rasul. And, um, you're right, Al-Rasul, the seal of the prophets. And uh, it's not, it helps to be able to try and figure out what these people are thinking or what anybody's thinking. Like you said, it's about compassion and empathy. Exactly. And that's why I think that, um, and I think you've touched on this, Seth has touched on this, Seth Andrews as well, on the fact that Islamophobia is a ridiculous word. Because Well, I've written a whole thing about Islamophobia. And the problem is like, I guess, like atheism there are different understandings of what it means. Yes. And if you're going to talk about Islamophobia with somebody, and it turns out halfway through the conversation, you've been talking about two different things, you're in trouble. Now, there is in Western countries, there is definitely a bigotry against Muslims or people who look like Muslims or people who are imagined to be Muslims. That's just the same way as there is a problem with anti-Semitism, yes. which I'm sure you're aware of. Oh, yeah, yeah. These are We have statistics on this. We can show you how many hate crimes are committed against Jews and synagogues and so on all across the Western world. And we can show you how many hate crimes are committed against mosques and Muslims and people who look like Muslims. And the reason I'm saying that is because do you remember the first guy who got attacked after the 9-11? I don't remember the first guy. I remember that there were a number of attacks. The guy in Phoenix, there was a guy in Phoenix and he was attacked because he was wearing a turban and they thought he was a Muslim. And he's a Sikh. He's a Sikh, guys. <laughs> do you remember? Come on. Yeah. I was like, I, I, come I do on. remember if you're that. you're going to be racist, do it properly. You know? Exactly. And like in, in Ireland, there's a mosque in Galway run by Ahmadi Muslims. And I don't know what you know about Ahmadi Muslims, Mm-mm. but they are in their own little Islam channel that's not connected to Sunni or Shia. And the Sunni and Shias often don't like the Ahmadis very much at all. And of course, Irish people being Irish people, someone threw a rock through this guy's mosque window. And he was trying to explain on the news saying, no, no, they hate us too, you know? Right. No, no, it's, <laughs> we're, we're the good guys, right? We're the yeah, good we're, Muslims. We're the, you know, you, we're on your side, you know? And this is what yeah. I was saying to you about religious groups also supporting atheism groups. Because those Ahmadi Muslims, and I should hope any Muslims in Ireland, would support most of what atheist groups and secular groups in Ireland want because most of what we want is trying to dismantle the influence of the Catholic Church. Right. Now, and imagine how annoyed I am at hearing the six bongs at six o'clock. Do you know what? Let me tell you, Chris, let me paint you a picture. <laughs> all right. We're a secular democracy, inanimous of a, as we say, right? Maria, a secular democracy. So at six o'clock every evening, we have the Angelus, which is this bong, bong, bong. Bong, bong, bong for about a minute. Church bells bonging on the national broadcaster for a minute, right? Our main evening news is called 6-1 because they have to wait for one minute for the Angelus to finish before they can read out the news. Really? Really. Wow. Really. I, I, I had no where idea. This really, where this first struck me is I was in Kosovo, which is the most Muslim country in the world, right? 96% of people in Kosovo are Muslims. Six o'clock in the morning, Right. Six o'clock in the morning, Chris. Hello, right? Holy mother of, and I, I, I wouldn't mind that so much. But there's a mosque every five hundred yards in Pristina, and they all kick off at the same time, and they're all in a different key. 
Because <laughs> no one, like, there's no, there's no communication between the mosques. They're all like running their own little operations, you know. And I, I remember saying to people in uh, Kosovo, "This is terrible that you're getting these banging noises," you know. And then I remembered, "Oh, wait a second, Barry. This is where's your critical thinking?" You know, <laughs> six o'clock every day in your country, not just bonging in the churches, the physical churches, but on the national broadcaster. That's bong, wild. Bong, bong. That is wild. Yeah. It's, it is wild. Well, it's and it speaks also to another point I wanted to make about Islam, which is Islam is not just, you know, and, and again, this is where, you know, I really start taking to task, you know, even atheists understanding of religion and what it is, mm -hmm. because they'll say, you know, I think uh, Dillahunty or somebody reduced it down to, well, it's just a set of beliefs. And it's like, no, it's not. Here we're talking about, you know, with Muslims and uh, with Islam specifically, we're talking yes. about a culture. Uh, sometimes, yes. I, I, often, it, right? It's, well, it's way uh, more than just going to church on Sundays or praying a couple well, times a day. I love talking about Islam because yeah, none me. of us know anything about it. <laughs> and I still don't know much about it. But now that I'm learning more, the more I learn, the more interesting it is. Yeah. And yes, you're right in the sense that Islam is culture, but it's not a unified culture. Fair enough. Like Islamic culture in Algeria will be different to Islamic culture in Somalia, which will be completely different to Islamic culture in Afghanistan, which will be different again to Islamic culture in Malaysia. Well, let me ask you, when I think about it, I, I was speaking from my, you know, being informed by the actual holy books and the fact that there's a lot more in there than just a set of beliefs. There is rules and guidelines for how to live your life, how to handle your money, how to handle your family, um, how to handle the law. Yeah, a lot of that's in the hadiths. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's in But the hadiths are, Muslims themselves will have varying levels of respect for the hadiths. Right, exactly. Some of them don't take any hadiths. Oh, none at all. They think, no, they will think that those hadiths were just made up decades after uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him, died, and that they're not to be, salallah alayhi wa salam, don't worry, it's fine, uh, will, um, that, 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 that they're not to be relied upon. And you can only rely on the Quran, which is definitely, without a doubt, the actual word of God. Right, right. right. It's not written by people. God wrote that. But you know that, you know, God wrote that book. Now, I don't know if have you read the Quran. I have not read the Quran. Oh, Chris. I'd give it a solid four out of five. Really? You know why? That I, you know why I say that? Because people who don't like Muslims would be like, four out of five, that's too high. But Muslims who think it's like the God's word are like, four out of five, what the hell? So it will annoy everybody. Right. You have to give a high mark, but not 100% to annoy everybody on the Quran, right? But the Quran is, is they say it's one of the best written books and blah, 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 right? When you read it, it's, well, it's not as bad as everybody thinks it is, right? Well, like you, you have the Christian you, Bible, you, and then... One of your articles actually made a point about this that that goes into this exact point of it's, yes. it's, it's very much reliant on the translation. Uh, yes, but also it's... If you read the Quran, it's mm. assumed that you have a kind of a, an understanding of the the Christian gospel and also the Jewish Tanakh but not a very in-depth understanding, <laughs> which would undermine a lot of what the Quran says. So you're supposed to have kind of a, you're, there, there was a window. Like I assume there were stories circulating around the Levant, around the Middle East about these, uh, about the Jewish stories and the Christian stories. And whoever put together the Quran was listening to these. But like there's one bit that I talk about because it's, it's probably the best example of how this might've happened is there's a line in the Quran, which says John the Baptist was the first person to ever be called John. Right? Hmm. Now, this is objectively not true. Right? Mm -hmm. Because I can give you 
because I have a, a at last, haha, father, at last, I told you my classical history degree would come in handy. Who's laughing now, dad? Uh, I can think of at least three guys called John before John the Baptist. Okay, good. Because I couldn't Jerusalem think of one. Right? So that John was... Harkinus is one, right? Okay. And um, the, but the, this is in the Quran. This is the word of God and God can't be wrong. Right. Now, clearly what happened is in the gospel of Luke, and it might be in some other gospels, they say when John the Baptist was born, Elizabeth said, let's call him John. And then the father said, no, let's call him something else. And then Elizabeth said, Elizabeth is John the Baptist's mother. She says, no, no, he'll be the first person in this family to be called John. Ah, uh, right? okay. okay. So you can see what happened. There's it's not a very, and 600 years later, 600 years is a long time for Chinese whispers to be playing around, assuming everybody doesn't have access to books and maybe everybody can't read. Muhammad himself, uh, Salah alayhi salam, could not read. That was part of his appeal, I think, was was that his lack of education. How could he possibly have come up with all these sophisticated, wonderful religious ideas when he had no literacy? Like, that's part of the miracle, I guess, if you mm -hmm. want to call it that. Mm -hmm. um, but it wouldn't, I mean, you can see the pipeline from first person in the family to first person ever. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, in and terms of the telephone game, that makes complete sense. Yes. And someone yeah. wrote it down. And now John is the first person to be ever called John. Now, how the Islamic scholars, I'll say this for Islamic scholars, they're not idiots. Right. 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 They're very clever people. Yep. But like the Catholic scholars, who are also very clever people, they're clever people as, I don't know what you would call it, in a cult? What would you call it? Well, I'd say that their logic is anchored down by the need for certain things to be unalterably true. Oh, you're good. Their logic is anchored down by their need for the certain things to be known to be true. So they, they're, 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 one of these things is that uh, John the Baptist was the first person to be called John, even though they know it's not true. Yeah. So they, they come around. Some, some, some um, uh, fatwas will be. Uh, do you know what a fatwa is? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Uh, tell it for the, for the audience. Um, oh, fatwa is a non-binding judgment of a um, qualified Islamic scholar. That's it. It's not, it's not, if so, if, if a guy says, oh, you have to kill this guy, that's not, that's, that's a death sentence, which is completely different to a fatwa. Ah, um, so those you, terms you have been, saying, I've, I've seen yes. that used in different, differently in the media. Well, in the West, we, we, they, we use it differently. Yes. But if, if you go to an Islamic, an Islamic country and say this, what happens is you go to a sheikh or a mufti and you say, um, I had a sandwich during Ramadan. Am I in trouble? And the mufti will say, no. Just take another day fast after everybody else finishes, and then you'll still have you'll still get your Ramadan points in heaven or whatever the logic is. You'll still get the Ramadan thing. This is the fatwa, right? Okay, so it's basically just their pronouncement of yes. some religious issue or matter. Yeah, and if you don't do anything about it, nobody really cares. It's your own business. Right. A lot of a lot of well, a lot of Islam is supposed to be you you and Allah are working. This is what I always started talking to Muslims. It's amazing. Like uh, somebody was talking about getting married and I said, oh, I suppose you go to the mosque to get married. They go to the mosque. Why would I go to the mosque? I said, you know, to get the imam to bless you. I don't care what the imam says. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I was like, what? And these are like hardcore like, Muslims in the sense that they really believe Islam. Interesting. It's not like they're not, they're not like fair weather Muslims. They're like 100%, five times a day, Ramadan, Zakat, everything. And uh, they're like, oh, I don't care what the imam says. We just, he, he's just the guy who says the prayers. He's nothing. This is between me and Allah. Right. And, and, and the idea is that you're not supposed to judge anybody else for anything. Interesting. So you have yeah. a wide, and so in other words, what really, what you're describing here is really the very wide spectrum of Absolutely. Experience. The West, we think Islam is a block. Yeah. Muslims this, Muslims do that, Muslims think this, that's all horse shit. Right, right. And also you have a, the problem with political Islam, which is a different thing altogether. Like the one thing I, the one thing I said to them is like, I mean, 
it's all right like to have uh, to be muslims and you're great but you're not bothered by isis and, the, and so one of these muslims said to me very sensibly something that i hadn't even considered until they said it to me who do you think is the number one victim of isis ah who does isis kill more than anybody else mm. and the answer is muslims mm-hmm an overwhelming majority of victims of ISIS and, and Al-Qaeda and those parts of the world are Muslims. Interesting. So how, then nice. he said, what do you think we think now of ISIS? Now what do you think we think of ISIS? I'm like, okay, okay, you guys, going to have to go and rethink everything I thought I knew about Islam. <laughs> right? Now, I'm not saying they're particularly wonderful people or anything, but they're not like demons or anything. You know, they're, like we have this idea of in the West of Islam is this monolithic belief and that if you're a muslim you have to sign up to every single thing in this belief and i i i it's, it's the very same as christians you talk to one mm -hmm. christian even inside a group even inside southern baptist in the southern baptist heartland you talk to one and another and you'll get a different impression of who god is what he expects what he wants you to do because they have a, a separate kind of a thing that's right and muslims are very much like that it's a very okay and of course it would have to be being the second largest major religion on the planet with yes. millions billions of members yeah. um how can you have some you know imagine for even a microsecond that this is one big homogenous outfit of course it's not yes and um and again we're going to find like we do with christianity same drill you're going to yes. find all the differences across cultural geographical um, historic, you know, zones, right? Well, what and the Catholic Church did was the Catholic Church went and spread out to all the countries, uh, Ireland being one of them, another lot of South American countries. And you'll notice this. They took a lot of the local folk heroes and local gods and repurposed them. Yep. Now, uh, we have a, there's a, I live in a town called Clonmel in County Tipperary in Ireland. And we have a little well outside called St. Patrick's Well. And there are legends about St. Patrick doing stuff to the water and it makes it holy and so on. Now, obviously, this was a, a shrine to the water god of the Celts before. And there's a lot of evidence of that kind of thing happening. Some of it is extremely obvious. In the 1st of August, we have a pilgrimage to the top of um, Croke Patrick, which is uh, a mountain. And it's supposed to be in honor of St. Patrick. You go up to the top of the mountain, you walk up and bare feet and blah, 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 right? That was the sun god. It was a it was a sun god, Celtic sun god called Lug, and the Irish word for August is Lunasa, which means lo, the the month of the sun god. And we would have uh, religious rites where we go up the mountain. And now it's Saint Patrick. We have a saint called Saint Bridget, who is an Irish uh, lady saint who has all these miracles associated with her. And Bridget was a Celtic goddess of the exact same name. Wow, they just, very, they just slapped they didn't a bother changing it. it at all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they, she has many of the same miracles attributed to her. Now, the, the Catholic Church maintains that it's not the same person. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Right. The locals mm. sure thought it was the same person. Yes. Also, she is, uh, I think, probably the first recorded uh, abortion in Irish uh, history. A lady went to her and said, I'm pregnant. And St. Bridget went, no, you're not. And then that was the end of that. Wow. Mm. The mm. early early medieval saints uh, specialized in abortions. Shh. Oh, I'm sorry. Shh. We can't be talking about. I'm just kidding. I'm totally oh, kidding. Okay. I'm I totally don't know. kidding. No, no. Sorry. I, I'm totally I told kidding. you I, what I, to tell me not to say. No, things. no, no, no. You're fine. Things. You're totally fine. I'm just <laughs> you, messing with you. Oh, this is uh, this is the Neil Diamond thing all over again. <laughs> that's isn't it? right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
Oh, that's that is interesting. That is interesting. Mm. But again, it speaks to even to the point I wanted to make, you know, about the atheist world, right? It's just like the variety yes. of experience, the spectrum, right? Yes. And and people homogenize all of this. In other words, they make it all, they lump it all into one yes. big thing and think one represents the whole. Atheists this, atheists that. It makes it makes no sense to any of the atheists you talk to. That's right. That's exactly right. But I'd say atheist more than any other ideology, maybe not any, but more than many ideologies, atheism is especially fragmented because oh, we God, don't have yes. anything joining us. We have, we have, all we have is one thing that doesn't join us. That's right. And, and we reason, the reason right. any of us have to stick to it is because of what we regard as religion. Why am I, what's this finger about? Sorry. Because we have um, an understanding that religious influence over our lives is unacceptable. Exactly. Wherever we are. That's the only reason that we bother with a movement at all. That's right. In fact, yeah. that's, that's, it's, and, and in a way, um, both I think on that point and I think to a degree on the trauma point, lesser so because not everybody in the atheist world by any stretch is, you know, what, running around with trauma. Yes. Um, of the level that I'm that we talked about earlier, right? Yes. But but it's there, and it's there enough that it's kind of noteworthy. I've talked to a number of people all across the United States, where in various places I've gone on this, done, doing speaking engagements and stuff over the years, and it's and it's same 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 everywhere. There's a certain number who are there because they never believed. Yes. There's a certain number who were there who were raised in households that never believed, and then there's a certain number, and they tend to be more who escaped from religion, who got out of their religion, who, you know, somehow were like, oh yeah, no, no, this is not my thing. And a lot of their stories sound an awful lot like the ex-cult members that I interview yep. um, on a regular basis, right? And so I see that similarity and I go, eh, there's something here on this. And you can see, you can understand why they would feel that way. Oh, absolutely, I can, and I and yeah. I and I understand where all the animosity and the anger comes from, and the yes. and the feeling of I I need retribution here. There's a, there's a yes. there's a righteous vengeance kind of tack that some of them will take. You know where else you see that uh, when relationships break up? Oh God, yes, exactly. Is the this... retribution, the anger, the bitterness that is not good for you. Never mind that guy or whatever. It's not good for you to feel this bitterness. That's right. And that's and that really does become this is in fact the entire basis of my of my point on this is it becomes a me problem, not a them problem. Yeah. You know, and it's not the fact that, you know, I, I OK, here's my analogy for my audience on this. Right. So 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 you all like, get where I'm coming from is it's not that Scientology and Scientologists are all a bunch of great people. They're not, and it's not. Scientology is awful. It's a destructive cult. It's toxic. But I don't have to be toxically angry about it and and killing myself over it or or being an asshole about it in talking about it or even in engaging with them about it. And that's, I think, the point I'm trying to make is that part of the problem is the me problem. And if I can not do that... I'll have a better chance of accomplishing the goal I'm actually setting for myself, which is change their hearts and minds. Yeah, and also be happy you know? is a goal for you, I hope. Exactly. Exactly. You can't be happy if your heart is full of bitterness against Miscavige. That's right. Yes, you can say you can say all you want about Miscavige. You can say he's a toxic person and he's, he's doing horrible things and so on. And if you can do that, if you can do that, you personally, Chris, can do that without feeling the anger boiling up. That is a superhuman power. 
Well, I just thought it was the result of therapy, but I, yeah, it's, that's therapy can you give know? you superhuman powers. Well, then there you go. Because don't you think? Do you happens. not think it's a superhuman power to have something that's that's been abusive to you and traumatic, and you know the source of it, and to just not feel anger when you think about it? That's superhuman. I've known people like that before who who are, who are not you, but also I know you. Yeah. Do you not think that's a superhuman power? I just, I just, I'm reluctant to assign that to myself. I think it's the result of education and therapy. <laughs> right. But like people have these things, access to these things and they're still angry. You're right. You're absolutely right. I do see that. I do see that. Yeah. I, um, I think that it's some place, I think it's a place that, that more people could and should go. And I'm, I'm just trying to encourage them to do so. Right. Mm. Um, because it is something you have to decide to do. You have to decide. It doesn't just kind of occur to you. You have to make decisions along the way to let it go. It's so easy to be angry and resentful. Why should I let it go when he did that to me? Why am I the one letting it go? Exactly. Why should I let it go? That's he did right. this to me. And I can promise you, whoever he is in this scenario is not thinking about you at all. Exactly. He doesn't give a shit. He's just being his toxic self, living his best toxic life out in the world. That's right. Be happy. All right. Exactly. It's just, the best it's, revenge. It's not easy, but it's doable. It's the best revenge too, by the way. You know, mm. if you really want to get back at them, just go, you know, as they Wait, say. Wait, that's not the ideology we're going for, the best revenge. Is that, no, that's <laughs> well, not really what saying. we're going for here, if Chris. If... We're going for not wanting revenge. That's where I'm hoping to guide us, right? Of the course. best revenge is a bullet in the face. <laughs> in your face, bitch. <laughs> we're allowed, you know what? Even when we're compassionate and empathetic, I think we're allowed every so often to have occasional thoughts of, hmm just a little picture mental picture of their head exploding and then go back to normal exactly i think we're allowed that that's that's not a weakness that's okay of we're course. allowed yes okay exactly all right because we're only human and yes, that's but, but and you that's, said the atheist community can be better and i think we can all be better exactly and that and right. i think that these are i think i think these are ideas or or suggestions that can that can help push us in that direction and i thought mm. if i don't say this stuff out loud on a microphone and put it out there i'm going to feel like i'm not doing what I should be doing it as, hmm. you know, having the little voice that I've got here to be able to, to influence people, right? Is it well, like, you're, you're, you're not just a, a master. What do you call your, your area called studies that are? Yes. Yeah, like course of control. My, my degree is in course, course of control. control. Yes. Yeah. But that would also be involved in personal relationships as well as cults. Oh, yeah. 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 So, but you have a master's in this, Yeah. but you're also, um, I would say now like a, a professional communicator. Yeah. So at that yeah. at that level, then you're you're using your that's what you're doing, exactly. And you're pushing it out into the world. That's never a bad thing. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you as a writer are doing the same thing. I know? hope so. Yeah. I very much hope so. I think I'm good at writing, and I think I can get my ideas across quite well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the very few things that I'm actually good at. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I like writing and so on, and it's fun. So I'm hoping to do the same thing. Chris, I don't know how long we've been talking. We haven't disagreed on a single thing. I you know. Said, we keep it's... saying that we're going to come to it. We're going to well, come to it. Well, we haven't come to it. I, I keep thinking we're going to get there, and then and then we just keep agreeing. I yeah. um, but this is what... embarrassing. <laughs> I know. We call this a podcast. <laughs> When I was a lad, people would actually pull knives on each other in a podcast. The podcasts wow. were all in black and white when I was young. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, I did not know, by the way, that you were as uh, up on uh, Islam as you are. It's very interesting. I Yes, because I went to Kosovo and I was surprised by uh, 
a lot of things I learned in Kosovo. Kosovo is a country in between Serbia and Albania. They were subject to a series of genocides yeah. by Serbia when Yugoslavia broke up. And uh, they are very Muslim. They're 96% Muslim, but you would never know it if you went there, apart from all the mosques. Interesting. Yeah, what? so all their hair is out and they don't really talk about it very much. And it's, a lot of them don't really care that much about it. But if you say like, when, when you like, remember I told you about Protestants and Catholics? Yeah. If you say I'm a Catholic, what you're really saying up in Northern Ireland is I'm not a Protestant. Uh-huh. You're not really saying like, I love the Pope. You know what I mean? It's a funny thing. And I think like that, when there's a pe definitely people in Kosovo, when they say I'm a Muslim, what they mean is I'm not an Orthodox Christian because the Orthodox Christians came in and trashed the place. Okay. Okay, because yeah. because I understand I have a very limited understanding of the ethnic conflicts there, and I understand they have. Some... Oh, you and everybody else in the Balkans. You want to try and understand the Balkans? Oh. Let me tell you how complicated it is. The Battle of Kosovo, which is where you could argue you could go back far enough to where this starts. The Battle of Kosovo was in 1389. 1389. Yes, and that that was obviously because it was a battle was the end point of a series of conflicts uh -huh. before it. But that's where you can start your analysis of the Kosovo, Serbia, Yugoslavia thing. If you like, you can start in 1389. If you want to do a slapdash, half-ass job of it, you can start in 1389. My God. Mm. How do you keep a conflict roiling for seven centuries? Well, how do you do uh, that? My, con my country was occupied by England for 800 years. God, I guess so, huh? I was talking to a Native American in um, wow. California once, and they were saying, you know, they came here in uh, 1492, and they did this. 1492, I said, you amateur. Oh, oh, 14, oh, boo-hoo. Oh, we wish, we wish they came over in 1492 on our knees, begging for that kind of oppression, you know? So <laughs> right. thankfully, they have a sense of humor, and they found it amusing. <laughs> right. That could have gone both ways. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. I get that. Yeah, the, so the I understood I was joking, you know? <laughs> the oppression Olympics. Yeah, they, they took all our food. They took all our potatoes. You don't understand. My God, it's just I, I, I mean, my, I, yeah, wow. I just, uh, I just didn't really assign that length of time to these kind of mm. conflicts being as, un, again, as unfamiliar as I am with the history of that region because it's, yeah. it's damn confusing. And you look but at the Balkans it for, is hilarious because it is you know. well known for being very difficult to understand. Even most people in my country, I think, if you show them a map of the Balkans, would have trouble pointing out which countries are in which place. Absolutely. In my country, in Ireland, I mean, the Americans is different because uh, why would you expect them to know, right? It doesn't matter to them. But we're in Europe. We should know where everywhere is in Europe. You know, right? Sure. <laughs> like the way we, this is how we regard Europe in Ireland, right? Ireland, yeah. Europe is like France, Germany, Italy, a lot of stuff, and then Greece. Right. So everything between Italy and Greece is just, uh, you know, mm. here be dragons, right? Yeah, exactly. You ever see Slavoj Žižek's uh, thing about the Balkans? No. What he was he... trying to explain it with the Balkans. You know, he's from uh, Slovenia, right? Uh -huh. And he said, talk to Slovenians about the Balkans. And they say, uh, no, no, Slovenia is not in the Balkans. Everything south is the Balkans. And you talk to Croatians about the Balkans. And they said, no, 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 Croatia is Serbia. And those places are the Balkans. And he's like, everywhere you go in the Balkans. And they're like, no, this isn't the Balkans. Go down to Greece, which is like right on the tip of the Balkan Peninsula. No, no, we're not the Balkans. We're not everything north of Greece is the Balkans. We're not the Balkans. We're Greece. So the Balkans is obviously socially constructed, Chris, is what I'm trying to say. I it's not it. a real place. Yes, know? totally get that. Totally get that. Well, let me let me let me just ask you, uh, because you went there and because you yes. had that experience and because this is something that I have not even really barely touched my finger or my toe in the pool of Islam. Islam? 
right? Oh, it's incredibly interesting. I, I, I recommend you do some research. It's wonderful. Well, I, and I have been doing research on it for years mm. off and on, but I've never felt confident enough to be able to go, okay, here's what's culty about it. Here's what's not or whatever, because, and part of have, the reason- do you, part, have, do you have any Muslim friends? A uh, couple, but, but part of the reason for my hesitancy to even go into that is, um, one, the backlash, and two, um, <laughs> the backlash. Oh and, yes, of and course. two, right? Um, because I'm not about that, and I'm not trying to do that, right? Um, yes, of course, of course. And two, acknowledging and realizing years ago, just with the little bit of experience and knowledge I do have, the wide spectrum of experience yes. of it. And the fact that it's cultural as much as religious. And by yes. that, I mean it's more than just a set of beliefs. You know? Absolutely. I would recommend anybody, any of your viewers or listeners who are interested in Islam, there's Muslims everywhere, right? I'm sure you have some Muslim friends if you go rooting around. Talk to them and say, look, I'd like to learn more about Islam, right? Mm -hmm. They will tell you a few things because Muslims love talking about Islam. Then go find another Muslim and talk to them. And then you, when you talk to the first guy, you'll be like, oh, I know what Islam is now. You talk to the second guy, no matter who he is or where he is, you'll be like, oh, okay, all right. This is just like Christianity, right? They just make up their own version of it in their heads, right? That's right. Yeah, They all think they're like Islams. So. I have said before, and I've posited, and I think you have, this will probably be another thing you agree with me on, but I think that it is, um, I, think the, I think the best way to describe the reality of religious belief is it is as unique to each individual as our DNA. I think oh, every, I would say I would say right? it's a creative response to the problems of the universe. I think religion is an act of creativity. And sure. when you're in a group, you can do any kind of group creative project. I think religion is a community creativity project where you have to come up with some sort of response to things that you need responses to. Like what happens to me after I die? Why do bad things happen to good people, Chris? Yeah. Why yep. do bad things happen to good people? And perhaps more annoying, why do good things happen to bad people? Mm -hmm. And you can put together an ideology that explains all these things. Yep. And it'll be internally consistent. It doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be internally consistent. And then, good, now I know why bad things happen to good people. I can go to work for 10 hours a day, and it's not going to bother me. Exactly. We all have the same problems. Yeah. We need a secure food supply chain. We want a better life for our children. We all have the same problems. So we all have the same questions. And then there's these mountebanks, these absolute charlatans putting together movements saying, I have the answer. That's right. And, mm -hmm. we, and we also have, I'll add to that mix, a need for community. Right? We got to belong in some fashion, somewhere. We you know what? I'm, uh, I have weapons-grade autism, right? Oh, okay. I, you can laugh. It's okay. I have, um, I find it very difficult to be around people. Mm -hmm. Draining, and I just don't like it. Mm -hmm. Right? So mm -hmm. I don't like being around people. And I also feel that need for community. It's an emotional need. It's a basic yes. emotional need. And I get it. Uh, I get whatever things I need in that area. I get them online from my friends that I talk to online. Absolutely. And no and way. that's and if that's all the community you need, then awesome, right? There's no. But I, I agree with you. I used to think I did not have that need, and I was fooling myself because I thought I was Mr. Spock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even Mr. Spock needs community. If you watch that show. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He's got all those same emotional needs. He's just yeah. he's just suppressing the shit out of him. All the Vulcans do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And mm. therefore. Just like us, the Vulcans, everybody, 
structural hierarchies, social hierarchies, right? We create those. We have to. Yes. We have to. And I really wish people would get over their ego on this because we have to. Mm. And this is where that leader thing, that, that, that guy who has the idea of, of what's what, that's why we fall in line to that. Is yes, if we, if we, we crave certainty. Yeah, because if we can't, if we don't either have enough imagination or don't want to use it or, can't, you know, are otherwise troubled by other problems, here's somebody who's doing the thinking for me. I don't, I don't think it's a lack of imagination mm-hmm. in, in their defense. Yeah. I think it's, if anything, it could cause you need more imagination to have a religious belief. You need a very active imagination, I think, to believe that Jesus walked on water and did all these things. And I think you need to have oh, a sure. lot of things going. Yeah, yeah. But it's a very creative endeavor. It's not It's not like brain death or anything. It's just a lack of critical thinking skills. Uh, fair enough. But I, I no, guess no, no, was... we're disagree. Yes, oh, go on. We're almost there. Yes, I think where, I was, where I was going this, this, right, is that it is... I think it is a lack of imagination because I think it's somebody, I think you're, I think you're side of, I think the followers are sort of siphoning off the imagination of the leader. They're filling a need that they have with somebody else's pictures, you know, ideas, uh, worldview. I have some bad news. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. (laughs) Okay, so... So you see what I mean, right? And so Mm. that's where, and in fact, that's what makes a follower a follower, as far as I can tell, right? Is it's like, I need somebody else to give me this guidance and direction. Maybe it's only in this area of life. I'm not speaking broadly. Maybe this person's imagination and creativity and endeavor and energy goes into fixing cars, well, right. no, even then, let's, we were speaking before about all the Christians have different approaches to Christianity. Yeah. Even the followers have to make up their own version of it inside their own heads. Every, yes. every Christian is individual and every yes. Muslim has an individual approach to their relationship with Allah. That's right. Yeah. So maybe they do have some kind of creative. They they're not aware of it. Maybe, maybe they, think, they think they're all on the same path. But when you talk to them, they're not. Exactly. And that's, mm. and that's the mistake all of us make is because we group. We then homogenize yeah. that group and go, okay. We have for, to group, Chris. Well, we do have to group. And then, it's heuristics. Our whole lives are heuristics. We can't live without grouping. Exactly. And because if I took everything on a case by case basis, I would fall over with every step. That's where I was going. That's right. And so we don't we don't have the brain power to be able to consider every single individual on this planet or every yeah. single individual even that we've ever met or in our vicinity mm. and treat them all as fully realized, fully formed human beings, independent, yeah. free will. Just like us, we can fully imagine that for ourselves because we live it. But, mm. but we see these people and we have to reduce it down to Catholics, well, Protestants, well, right? Sure, but not just not, not even people that, let's say, you'd say are different from you, but people who are the same as you, your friends. Sure. How many of your friends? Now I discovered I was doing an act of violence to my friends, to some people I know, because I was reducing them to say four or five adjectives. Think about Bob. Oh, Bob's friendly. He likes cars. He likes... Bob is not four or five adjectives. No. He's got all sorts of weird stuff going on inside him. Same as I do. That's right. And I assume people are doing that to me as well. And it's so difficult to try and have everybody, every part of your life populated with fully realized everything. It's just draining. I can't do that. I have to group them. Exactly. That's exactly my point, right? Your brain Mm. is only capable of so much work. But we're aware of it. Like what you said, being aware of it helps. Now I'm aware that I'm doing that to people, that it's something I'm doing to them. It's not an inherent property of those people. Nope. It's something I'm doing to them. It's the only way that you are capable of understanding other people because you can But can't... then you're in trouble because let's say Bob 
Bob was is unkind to me. One day he had a bad day yeah. five years ago. Now Bob is unkind. That's right. It's and a ludicrous thing it, to do to yes, Bob. Yes, it is. Exactly. But we have to do it because we only got so much brain power. Oh, I don't like that. I want more brain power. <laughs> I know, right? Right? Like, like, this is, like this is where you start really bumping up against the edges of what we're really capable of. I find it very uncomfortable that I do that to human beings that I know are fully realized inside their own complexes of mentalities. And it's just, I'm, I'm doing it every day. And it's like, oh, there's, there's, there's Sean. He's this, no, stop it. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, that's right. Know. But we can't, mm. it's, it is literally the structural process by which we think. We have to live that way. We have to. But mm. the, that's how racism kicks off as well, you know. Exactly. Right. All every, black people are this, ist, all Chinese people are that. Every ist we have yeah, is, is a result of this. Yep. Everyone. It's sad. It's sad. And being aware of it doesn't help at all. Yeah, okay. Now, I, I, again, I'll disagree a little bit because yes! I do because I do think understanding, acknowledging that, knowing that's true always gives you oh uh, sorry always gives them the possibility of an out yeah okay you know that your judgment because it's really a restraint on your own judgment it's like you go yeah. oh up i could be wrong there might be you know, more you, to know right you, know how you tell the difference between somebody who's got one year of philosophy versus somebody who's got three years <laughs> someone who's got one year is like you know they think that's the end of the process that's noticing right. all these things and someone who's got three years is like oh god this is the start of the process that, yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly and when you Study go more philosophy people and that's and and if there's any one thing that i have come across with educated people who appreciate the, the the very concept of being educated. It's not just a status symbol for them. Yeah. It is that one fact that they all come to a place where they suddenly it dawns on them, holy fucking shit, I know this much of this much. It's a very uncomfortable feeling. Very, very uncomfortable. It is. It's very disconcerting because you, you get into it because you want to know all of it and you suddenly yep. realize you have no hope in one lifetime of ever knowing all of it. And then you start to think like, okay, religion, so I get it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you mean there's some place I could just get all the answers in one little book, really? Mm, yeah. Oh, and sign me way, up. The creator of the universe loves me, I'm in. Just sign <laughs> yeah. me up, don't need any more details, I'm right? in. You know? <laughs> yeah. And somehow I feel like, bringing this all the way back full circle, right? I yes. feel like... Even what we just said is somehow an unacknowledged truth or unrealized truth in the atheist world. Yeah. You know, is they just don't yeah. get what the, the function of that religious belief is. They just keep thinking, well, it's not factual and therefore it's not true and therefore it's bad yeah. and wrong. And mm. it's like, no, that's not really the calculation that we should yeah. be making on this, you know? Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever been facted out of a religion, have they? Just not that I've ever seen. Facted them, no. No. Why I've... would they be? I wouldn't be. I wasn't facted out of Scientology, you know. Yeah. It was yeah. it was emotional disconnection yeah. and emotional breaks that caused mm. me to start looking at the facts, and then the facts start rationalizing or justifying or giving you ideas about. Oh, it's right that I feel this way because, hey, guess what? It really is abusive. It went and, the other way around, yeah. And that's I'm, I'm sure it's like that for know? most people, that it works the other way around. 
Absolutely, and it you, does. And you you will be aware of the backfire effect. Yeah, and tell me. The backfire effect is something you will definitely be aware of. You might, you might notice something else where if you try to explain to somebody where they're going wrong, they will become even more enamored. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I don't that's, know, what do you call that? I call that the backfire effect. No, no, that's, that's what it is. I just wanted to make sure oh, okay. I was tracking with what you were talking about. Because okay. um, that's exactly right. You try to throw facts and, and reason and evidence at a believer and they're like, that's, they didn't fact their way into it. Why do you think they're going to yes. fact their way out of it? You know? Not just that. But I am aware of this and I can feel it happening to me all the time. The backfire effect mm -hmm. affects me and I know when it's happening to me. If somebody says, oh, Barry, no, you're wrong about that because blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, yeah, well, we'll see about that, sunshine. <laughs> Instead of just saying, yes, I agree. And it's such a challenge. Like, now, now I'm getting better at it. I'll come back the day after and I'll say, look, I think you were onto something. But in the moment, I cannot do that because I have a human brain. Even That's though right. I feel it happening as it's happening, saying, Barry, please, you've really grown up. You're 47 years old, man. Come on. You know? Yep. Yep. And I just keep saying, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Why? Mm -hmm. what? what? Oh, being aware of it. Oh, but I will come back the next day and I'll say, look, I, I see what you're getting at. And I think you might be onto something. Let's have a talk about it. That's right. But it's, I, I, the aim is to be like Alan Watts and to be able to do that in the moment as it's happening, to have the perfect Ooh. marriage of, of, of action and thought. But, you know, Alan Watts, the, he's this weird Buddhist guy, but like, it's just, he's just wonderful. If you want to talk about something that I think of as superhuman. Yes. That's it. I can't do it. I'm not there I, yet. I can't either. I can. Do you find yourself doing that? Can you feel it in your head happening? Oh, God, oh that, yes. this person is saying something sensible and I'm still arguing against it for reasons I don't believe fully Absolutely. myself. Oh, Absolutely. It's, it's awful, isn't it? It's so awful to feel that way inside you. It's like dirty. It's like I want to have a shower afterwards. Oh, yeah. After everything I've said on this podcast, after <laughs> pretending to be, you know, saying, yes, everybody be better, have more compassion. And I still feel myself doing this. It's so awful. I want to be a better person, you know? Well, I, I want to be am, a better person. I firmly believe that simply knowing and acknowledging this much makes us better people. It's so upsetting. Because <laughs> if I can redo, here's how I think about it, with exactly what you just said with the backfire thing. It's not that it's not going to happen. It's, can I reduce the time frame? That's what I'm doing. You know, that is exactly yeah. what you described. And that's what I've been working on for years you know, is the same thing as can I reduce I have it down to a day. Time? What have you got? Uh, depends on the context. Mostly it's a few hours. <gasps> Definitely next day. You know, I get a few hours. I get It's possible. A better world is possible, Chris. You're inspiring me. A better world is possible. Uh, yes, it and is. The, you know who you hurt with this bullshit? Not you. You know who one hurts with this bullshit is the ones you love. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the you people know what you have in your life that you that love you and you want them in your life and you value them and you're still giving them this bullshit. No, you're wrong. It was actually my wife and my oh. interactions with my wife. I was going to go here. So that's so funny you brought that up because over the last 10 years, it has been my wife and our arguments and getting over them and figuring out how to communicate better. That has taught me so much of this. Oh, your wife is also a superstar, is what you're saying. She is. Fantastic. Yeah. That's what you want. She is. That's, now, I'm divorced twice, so I don't get to lecture anybody. All I'm saying is, well done. You were still married to a person who was good for you, and she is, and you were also good for her, and well done. That is also a superpower. Yes, thank in you. In my view. Thank you. Right. Well, all right. I think we're going to wrap up right now. I think we've talked we about a, a lot of stuff. I think this is okay. good. 
Yes, this was this was this was better than I than I anticipated, <laughs> and I was really hoping for for a good conversation here. So, okay. I hope uh, I, I good we didn't get you. the fireworks. We didn't get the argument. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we tiptoed around a couple. <laughs> okay. But you went places that I absolutely was uh, not expecting and in a great way. So that was what oh, I was, good. that's what I'm happy about with this. Good. So um, let me ask you this. Let me just, if anybody who's been watching is interested, where do they find your, you, you mentioned at the beginning, is there any one place they can go to find you and um, all your stuff? Or? I have a Twitter account. My Twitter account is S-O-L-O-1-Y, solo Winnie. S O L O one Y is my Twitter. So I'm, I'm 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 those letters on every service on all on the hate machine, on the self esteem destroyer of YouTube and so on. I'm on that. So I'm on Twitter mainly. You'll find me if you want to find me. Excellent. And you have a link on there to this sort of table of contents kind of place to. It's a, a link tree with other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I will post that in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so people can find your work. Hmm. Um, because it's it's fun and it's cool and it's and it's uh, and it's interesting to read. I try to be fun, yes. Yes. So, thank you very much for taking the time to be part of my Chris, podcast. Thank you for inviting me on. You bet. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, folks out there, if you have found this entertaining, informative, and educational, and I hope you have, um, then consider supporting the podcast through Patreon, PayPal, Venmo, whatever. Show us some love. Um, you know, buy me a cup of coffee, whatever. The links to all of that are in the description For God's section. sake, buy him a coffee. <laughs> and on that happy note, uh, I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.